0: Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson.
1: Awesome. So we have Devin Hurt here, uh, co-founder of Prediction Strike, and we're looking forward to getting into exactly what that is and how you may be able to invest in some of your favorite players uh, that you maybe never thought that you could do, but now you're able to. But we'll let Devin tell his story, which is going to start where we always start, which is Devin telling us where you grew up.
0: Thanks, Abraham. First of all, just happy to be here, man. Just, this is great. I love what you're doing and I'm excited to tell my story. So I'm from Long Island, Long Island, New York. I grew up here, been here since I was uh, months old
1: until um, I left for college. Nice. Uh, Long Island, uh, for the most part, born and bred. Uh, So take us from your diaper days to your tech background days. How did you get started? What made you dig in? Uh, How did you go from, uh, you know, kind of a youngster in Long Island to the tech superstar that you are now? Where did it start?
0: It did start kind of when I was growing up. I mean, I was interested in computers, interested in video games. Uh, I'm also an only child. So Computers and video games was definitely a big way that I was just able to spend my time and occupy my free time. As I got into high school, I was more interested in kind of, okay, how do these computers work? How are these games made? Then in high school, I took a few intro computer science classes, and those were cool. Those were fun. Still was not convinced I wanted to do it. I went to college, actually thinking I was going to go to med school, be be a doctor. And... Obviously, that didn't happen, but um, when I was in college, I, I studied bioengineering, and as part of our required courses, we have to take an intro CS class. So I took that course, and that that's kind of what jumped it off. I had a ton of fun there, and it was, it was just cool to be able to build something from nothing and just kind of bring this idea to life. And one of my mentors early on, I had done kind of a computer science project around medical records. She was telling me, well, why don't you just try and turn this into a company? Why don't you push this into something, kind of take that next step with it? And that's why I really was able to see the power of building things with tech. And, and I mean, it's relatively cheap if you do it yourself, relatively easy, and it's a ton of fun. So from there, I, I was involved in the Harvard startup community. I built a bunch of side projects, took a bunch of CS classes, I ended up taking some um, CS internships. I worked at Google and I worked at Microsoft. I did a consulting project with the MBA. I mean, at that point, it just kind of all snowballed um, until the first job I took after graduating was at Nike in their cybersecurity department. So it really just kind of all built on itself until I, I found that, that that's what I wanted to at least
1: start doing full time. Now you, you you kind of are your own client a little bit after coming in and working at some of the big biggest companies and best universities. So bring us to the present now. What is prediction strike and from where did this idea originate and give us the goods like tell us what it is and how we can get involved in it because i think it's a really cool idea thank you so prediction strike is
0: a fancy sports stock market so like you like you said in the intro you can invest in your favorite players uh you want to buy and sell shares of lebron steph tom brady uh pat mahomes you can do it that that's what it is so you can find us on predictionstrike.com or we have an iOS app that's in the app store. So definitely download, sign up, all of that. Um, otherwise we're on social, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, uh, find us kind of wherever you find a community. So where did it all start? Uh, always a fun story. So my co-founder is also my best friend and we've been friends. We grew up in the same town, went to elementary, middle, high school together, always really been friends. And it started with really just a conversation. I had accepted the job at Nike. He was already working in banking. And we were talking, it was May uh, of 2018. So it's NBA playoffs at this time. We were just talking, talking about both the the playoffs and then also just the real stock market. We both traded stocks kind of, kind of casually and you know, nothing crazy. And, and my co-founder, Brad, had lost a little bit of money in the real stock market. And he goes, I just wish I could put my money in LeBron. We're like, that's it. That's the thing. We need to build that. Uh, (laughs) So that's what we did. We started building
1: it and um, it's taking us here. Super cool idea. Uh, It sounds super simple, but we know there are some technical components to it and and kind of the way you thought about it is pretty unique. So what is the actual technical solution that you're providing through Prediction Strike to allow people like me and our listeners to be able to invest in LeBron, or maybe even Serena Williams or some other players. We wanted it to feel as much like the stock market as possible. And I mean,
0: a vastly oversimplified version of the stock market, right, is, of course, if the company seems to be doing well, then the stock goes up, and if not, it goes down. And of course, the real one's more complex, but we just wanted it to feel simple, feel like it's something you could just jump into. And so, share price move in two ways. One is based on actual game performance. So if a player, exceeds their fantasy expectation, the share price goes up. If they miss on that expectation, the share price goes down. And then the other is other users buying and selling. So if you get in on that new rookie before everyone else does, a bunch of people start putting money into them, that'll send the share price up also.
1: Very cool. Super simple. And I love the idea that as more people get behind players, you can benefit from being able to see their success before it materializes. That's brilliant. You have uh, more stakeholders involved now than when you first started with your co-founder. Uh, so how did you prove to these stakeholders over time that your target customers were actually gonna use and benefit from Prediction Strike? Definitely.
0: Uh, so the industry is all just super numbers focused. I mean, it's part of it, half of it, I guess, is your vision. The other half is just, does anyone care? <laughs> uh, so that that's kind of the story we have to tell. We have to show that, that we have users, that we can acquire users, acquire users cost effectively, and we can keep those users. So, what does that actually mean? Showing how many users we have, where where are we getting them from? How much does that cost? How much are users depositing on the platform? What is our trading volume like? Is that increasing? It's really just being able to tell that story and then say, okay, you know, this is where we are. Maybe we have a few thousand users right now, but when we get to a million users. This is what it is really going to look like. It's going to be even better. And this is our pathway to get there. So it is being able to tell that story and really just have answers and explanations for kind of those questions. Because your stakeholders, before they even become real stakeholders, they're going to say, well, why am I giving you money to do this thing? (laughs) can you can you take it to the next level can you you know depending on who they are maybe it's a sometimes just a mentor and yes they want to give you money to support you it's not even for them to make a ton of money but for a lot of people especially if you're taking money for family and friends they are not just giving you money just just because they have it so it is a lot about okay how can this become something real that generates a return for me and everyone else involved
1: cool and who doesn't like money and making their money make money especially in something as cool as sports because you may not understand companies but sports and players are some things that people are spending a lot of money and time on speaking of uh, kind of the difference there who are your best customers like you come to prediction strike on the back end what are you saying and also on the front end who is going to be the most magnetized to this product
0: our best customers are i mean in a very broad sense it's your it's your biggest sports fans it's people who are watching the games every night, who are tweeting about the games. You know, they're they're on Reddit. They, they listen to the sports podcasts. It's people who that has become such an extension of their free time. Those are our best customers because they carry that onto Prediction Shake. They're they're trading every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. They're tweeting at us. They're shouting us out on Reddit. They're there. They're there with us. They're in the ecosystem. So those are our best customers, and I mean. What does that profile look like? It's really anyone. It's anyone who maybe has a favorite team, a favorite player, just a favorite sport, or they just love the games in general and just want just to do something else to to be a part of it. I mean, if you think about it, you're investing a ton of your time, a ton of your energy, sometimes also money if you're going to games and buying jerseys and whatnot. Now you can invest it in these
1: players and make that money work back for you. Brilliant. And love it. And it's so cool that you have a community that is kind of growing organically for you and promoting you and and these loyal supporters, which is awesome. Uh, And I'm sure that it helps when you are pitching your product, uh, whether to other customers or to other stakeholders. Uh, But you're in school right now. You're in law school right now. You're in the hardest years, so to speak, uh, in that graduate program, in law school, that professional school. What's it like pitching your company while being a student, at Harvard Law School, no less.
0: Uh, Time-consuming. <laughs> As you mentioned, Harvard Law School, uh, outstanding opportunity and just grateful to be there. But it, it does require time. There's, uh, law school's a lot of just reading, uh, spend a lot of hours in class. So it requires aggressive and absolutely just aggressive time management. That That's what it is. So, well, I mean, the pitching process really is just, okay, I know I have to get this stuff done for school, but i have to build this company at the same time so making sure that those two things get done and done well and investors what they want to see is are you still building the company so if you you know if it's like hey we gr- we only grew like 0.5% this month they don't want to hear that nobody wants to hear that they want they want to see that you are taking care of business law school is no different than that in any other respect plenty of people have families have children uh, have just other commitments to to, to whatever in life that, that they are able to do at the same time as building a company. But all anyone cares about is your results. And results speak louder than anything.
1: hundred percent. Part of getting those results is building a strong team. And that's what you've done so far. And I'm curious to know how you went about uh, thinking about a co-founder. Now, you told us sort of the origin of the company, somebody's idea, Uh, You're like, let's do it. You come with the technical expertise, but talk a little bit more about that relationship with the co-founder and advice for people who may be listening, who may be thinking about going solo or the benefits of trying to select somebody uh, to be their co-founder going into business with a friend.
0: So my co-founder, as I mentioned, is my best friend. Shout out to Brad. Absolutely love him. That's my brother. So that makes that relationship very easy. And I know there is the the popular thing, don't go into business with friends. I think that's falling away a lot with especially these tech companies because they always say your co-founder, that's a strong relationship than your marriage. <laughs> like you are, with the divorce rate being what it is, you're more likely to spend a longer portion of your life with either your co-founder or your investors than your spouse. And that's those are real stats. So that needs to be something that is, that is absolutely solid and that you can build upon. There was no one else that I even thought about doing this with. Brad is someone who I talked to all the time, know very well. We came up with the idea on the phone together. We had worked on a few startups back. In undergrad, they honestly went nowhere, but but we knew what it was like to work together, so that was great. For those listening who are thinking about okay, how how do I do this? Do I go solo? Do I bring on a co-founder? Do I bring on three, four, five co-founders? I can speak to that a little bit. I mean, on that spectrum of, of options, you have going solo. That is going to be very difficult, to be honest. Especially if you are the, like if you are doing the technicals as well, you are going to be busy. Building a product takes up a lot of time. just doing the other corporate stuff you'd be surprised just how often you get pulled here there and everywhere you have legal stuff that needs to get done marketing product development roadmap just investor meetings if you're thinking about hiring hiring is very time consuming you have a lot of stuff to do i would usually recommend people to have at least one co-founder and then on that spectrum of how many usually you will see two or or a co-founding team of two is probably most popular Some people will have more. That kind of depends on what your relationship is with those people. A lot of times I see it work out best if those, you know, three co-founders are maybe siblings, something like that, where that is kind of, you already are a package deal. You work together, you know each other. If you start kind of really trying to expand beyond that, as far as co-founders, you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. You have a lot of people who are in charge, uh, which of course, as you know, never works out too well. Now there's nothing wrong with taking on two co-founders and then, quickly hiring or quickly expanding the team and saying, hey, you're in charge of tech, you're in charge of marketing, something like that, where people have a little bit more delineated responsibilities and know that they're kind of answering to the co-founders. That tends to work out a little bit better than, than trying to build out a team of five, six co-founders or something like that.
1: That's brilliant. Great advice. And advice from the trenches. So appreciate you sharing that. Our next question is is more money motivated, so to speak. And you have some experience in this realm. So very curious to know what your answer is going to be to this one. What would you do with $1 million in funding right now? No strings attached to it. This time, the money is yours to spend however you want. Nobody's accounting for it. You are the only one that's accountable for this money. I mean, I'm hiring engineers, (laughs) like (laughs) I I need, I need a team. Uh, So
0: it is just myself and Brad right now. We are starting to go through the hiring process. That is a long process. It is, especially those first hires. You really want to make sure they're a fit, that they're going to, to do exactly what you, what you need done. And sometimes you don't even know quite what that is. So even just getting clarity on your part. But as I mentioned before, being a co-founder, you just do a lot of stuff. Brad is not technical, so I, I'm i in charge of technical things. And I get pulled every... I mean, Brad does a ton, just as much as I do, but it's just I get pulled every which way just as much as he does, which means I don't have as much time for engineering. There's only so many hours in a day, right? So getting that engineering team of people who can just like, that's their lane, they can focus on that, that's huge. Definitely want to lay the foundation for that. So that would definitely be some allocation of the money. And then next, it would be trying to build out just a strong strategy marketing effort. Like We want Prediction Strike everywhere. We want every billboard and Times Square, every sports fan, as soon as they hear sports news, thinks, oh, well, how's this affect my share price? Like, we want Jason Tatum, who dropped like 53 last night, maybe 56, something like that. Someone say, like, we want him in the post-game interview being like, oh, my stock's up 10% or maybe like Rachel Nichols is like, hey, great game today. We blew it out of the water. Your stock's up 15% that's the type of level we want to get at how do we do it um, and of course it's nothing is free right so that funding is going to building out a team to building a better product and, and really just getting it in front of everyone's face like sports fan or not th- there is something on prediction strike for you and, and by that I mean even if you if you grab some random person on the street you say do you want to invest in LeBron James they can make a value judgment on that statement or you think globally if you go to some Anywhere, you say something about either Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, that person has an opinion on those people. They can make a judgment on that. So there's, there's a little something on Prediction Strike for everyone. And now we need to
1: just get it to everyone. Love it. Love it. Dev team. Get the story told that's where the money would go and i'm sure it would be served well you and brad sound like really strong money managers now in terms of the mentorship that you've gotten and it doesn't have to be from a mentor it could be something that you read or saw or maybe even something that you develop from experience but what's the most profitable piece of advice that you've gotten since you first started building that mvp i want to shout out first of all just all my
0: mentors i'm intentionally not going to do that thing where i start naming names because you always forget somebody and get yourself in trouble. So I just want to shout out everyone who's uh, had an impact on, on me over the years, both mentors and even just friends who have just taken the time to, to listen, give advice, give opinions, all that. Can't, can't thank you guys enough. But I mean, the most profitable piece of advice really is some variation of just keep going, just keep building. All those just keep on keeping on. Everyone's got 17 different phrases that they use. Those are really the most profitable piece of advice and why do i say that yes that's super simple but why when you start a business what a lot of people think they want to do is okay i'm going to go get funding i'm going to hire a team i'm going to do this it's going to be great and it's going to be amazing and maybe it would but life just simply doesn't work like that right so when you go talk to investors they're going to say where are you what have you built what are these numbers these metrics these key investment metrics and if you come to them with nothing I don't know, maybe you are the world's greatest storyteller and presenter and you can get funding from that. But A lot of times it doesn't work that way. So what you need to do is just keep building, just keep going. So you need to start build as much of the product because essentially what you want to show to investors is, look, I'm building this thing. It's a rocket ship and it's going to take off with or without you. I want you to be on this ride and I want you to want to be on this ride, but it's moving. That's kind of been our whole, just as a team, it's, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep building. We're going to keep driving this, keep growing this business every single day, second, whatever it is, no matter what happens kind of out there because there's so many externalities. There's funding, keep your finances in line. There's just world stuff. Obviously coronavirus, like sports were seen to be this thing that was immutable. That was just, you know, kind of eternal. And then all of a sudden sports are on timeout. It's like, okay, so we can either kind of take the time and, and, you know, put our hands in the sand and and mope around or we can just keep building this business. (laughs) And and that's what we did. And obviously, we're we're on the other side of that. We're coming out of it right now. But there's still a lot of just effects, even if you look at just global spending and, and how people are going about their daily lives is you have to adapt to that and attack it really, just attack each and every aspect of your business every day. And that's kind of the only way that, that you're going to get anywhere. You can't you can't let someone just
1: hand it to you. Love it. That good Long Island wisdom. I also like <laughs> the E equals M mindset you got going on. That's what's up. That is good. Back to money a little bit. Uh How do you make money as prediction strike? I mean, there are different models in the you know, traditional public retail stock market. How much of that have you adopted at Prediction Strike? And just give us a sense of where this company is going. So
0: we make money primarily based on uh, our transaction fees. We charge two and a half percent on each side of the transaction. And that's our our big driver of, of making money. And so that's kind of the original stock trader, stock broker model. I, I'm going to charge a commission for the trade. That is pretty consistent with both the original stock market and also just what we see in this broader sports stuff industry. Uh, a lot of the collectibles you go buy will charge fees. Other just. These mock investment platforms charge fees. Even just sports betting platforms have, they don't write them as fees because people would get upset. FanDuel DraftKings charge 10% fees. Fees are just part of life. Um, so we just try and be upfront with people. We charge a transaction fee. People, It clicks for people. They're like, oh, that's, that's how you pay for my business. especially Or pay for you know how, how the business gets paid for. Especially now where um, so many concerns over privacy and things like that, where people, if they aren't being charged, people are like, so what are you doing? And it feels a little shady, so we like to just be up front with people. Yep, we charge that fee, and that's how we pay for this. <laughs> how we pay to keep this <laughs> service on
1: transparent, simple. Uh, you can map it out, account for it in your trades. Love it. This, is, this next question is about the relationship that you have with the art community, and that could be sports because, in many ways, the athleticism from some of the athletes that you named are artful in nature they're a work of beauty masterpieces so to speak Uh, as you're coding as you're building this company as you're talking to stakeholders as you're moving in this space as one of the up-and-coming co-founders which artist is most inspiring the way that you move definitely Uh,
0: so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you two there so i'm gonna give you an athlete and then i think we would call a more traditional artist so my favorite athlete right now steph curry Way that man plays, it does look like art, right? Nobody's been nobody shot like that ever, and he's got handles too. Between him and Kyrie, like they make basketball just look ridiculous, (laughs) and it is just beautiful to watch. So have to shout out Steph. Also, just a classic example of don't let the money change you. Someone who. Of course, has, I guess, probably hundreds of millions right now. His contract is uh, for, for hundreds of millions of dollars. And he, he still does the right thing. Still still wholesome dude. Takes care of his family. Gives back to his community. Speaks out against injustice. And just really just steps up as a person. And always just gives credit to God for getting him where he is. So, have to shout out Steph Curry. Just classic example of doing the right thing as your brand gets bigger and as you get elevated to that stage. Now, my favorite artist, kind of <laughs> musically... It's is Drake, which uh, at this point is kind of cliche, but I've been there since. So far gone, Drake <laughs> loved mixtape. Drake, Drake, right now, just super fun guy, living his life. I mean, he also just the music is is fun. You got Drake for everything. Like, you got you're having a bad day, Drake, all the way to like you're trying to go out and party, Drake, <laughs> and so you got a little bit of something in there for anything. Of course, Drake himself. Big pop culture guy, hangs out with a bunch of pro athletes. He has a bunch of music that's just, it feels relevant. Like one of our, um, I'm going to shout out Nico, who just sent a message to us on Slack today. That's a Drake quote. It's like, stop going up like a crescendo. You know, it just, so Drake has lines for everything at this point. So gotta love that. And, uh, shout out to Drake. Ho- hopefully you listen to this, reach out, uh, send us
1: a DM. we love that. That's what's up. And I'm sure he will at some point as you all continue your meteor- uh, your your rise. In what ways does your background make it easier for you to succeed? It's easy for us to dwell on. You know, what makes it more difficult? Because it is tough, you know, as a co-founder in the tech startup community, you know, there are a lot of people in that graveyard, uh, not to mention, you know, the the racial demography, maybe even age, depending on how you view that. But in what ways does your background make it easier for you to succeed?
0: Very simply, everything was earned, nothing was given. That That's what it is. Being able to, to grind for everything and knowing what that's like from getting into into Harvard, getting into Harvard Law, Still working that hard in school, and right now that's that's what it is about. When it is building a business, it's can you just grind? Can you do the right things, make the right decisions, and and, and you're right. Like you said, it's going to be hard. A lot of people dwell on that. On this isn't going right. This is this is making it harder, and, and that's true. It is not the same level of of difficult for everyone. But you can only play the cards you're dealt, and, and life is hard everybody's going through something nobody has a monopoly on sadness anger life is simply hard so you have to take the opportunities you can and create new ones for yourself so that that's kind of the attitude i bring i bring to to work and, and i know that that's what we want to try and build as a team
1: That's motivated man it really is you just say look despite the success despite what you may see like I'm still, you know, if I could use this metaphor, don't get mad, I always bring in animals at some point. I'm still that duck who's fighting furiously underneath the water, even though it looks all calm on the surface. So that's that's good and appreciate you sharing that. Now, this is a question about, you know, different startup communities, because we have folks on here from all over the country, all over the world. They're in their own little pocket. And give us some insights into what you're seeing um, and how does In From Long Island give you an advantage in New York City's local startup scene, which is, you know, for a while now, probably a solid number two behind Silicon Valley. Sure. I mean, on the community point, it's, a, it's, it's different now. Um, and what I mean,
0: is especially because of the proliferation of the Internet, obviously, uh, but also coronavirus seriously accelerated this uh, there's so many virtual communities so many just communities of people on slack email lists physical meetups especially kind of pre and post coronavirus there's a little something for everybody there's um, a lot of communities also focused on focused either on subject matter you know whether it's sports blockchain crypto fintech I don't, you know just whatever your thing is and also communities focus on demographic groups especially for underrepresented minorities just a lot of communities focus on black founders just latino hispanic founders women founders just these these groups that uh, people spring up that either are you know sometimes it's to promote kind of the the general well-being of the industry but sometimes it's also just straight up support like how can we as this community come together help each other take this to the next level you know especially when you think about underrepresented groups in the industry there's a lot of just like okay well now we're stronger together and we can do better together. That's been uh, a huge thing that's really sprung up. And and you mentioned some of it is just regional. Um, I'm from Long Island, just outside New York City. So there's a lot, a lot of people who are interested in startups in New York City, who work in tech in New York. And so that, that makes it easy to, one, just meet with people in person, you know, kind of not right now, but in general. And then also when you, even just talking to people, Kind of like that first initial ice break, like "Oh, I'm from Long Island." They're like, and a lot of people from New York City have either been out to Long Island or know someone out there, and, you know, you kind of have that. You chop it up a little bit about this town or or that beach or that thing you did, so that makes it a little nicer to just interact with people.
1: Love it. Thank you for that that insight into your local market there. But it sounds like you extend and your networks extend well beyond that. So so kudos to you for that. Uh, back to the product. If you could only keep one feature, if you had to strip everything away, start again, it's just you and your team, but you could keep one feature. So even just to give you kind of
0: what do we have? We have obviously the core trading. We have uh, friends features. We have leagues in there. Those are some of the biggest ones. We also have, of course, just some things that are like, how uh, who are the biggest gainers, losers as of these last games? Some of that other kind of stuff you would associate with stocks, portfolios, of course, just stuff like that. What is the one? That's just the most fun, the most cool. I mean, it is that central trading feature, right? It is because that's what the magic is. Just what if you could trade shares of your favorite pro athletes? That's, That's what it's always come down to. So that has to stay around. That's what inspired the vision. I think that's what brings people on because that's the one line you can tell someone. And then they're just like. Yeah, like let me check that out. What is What is Or, or what does that mean? Like that—that's what you can hook someone with. You know, you know the portfolio stuff, the biggest gainers, the biggest losers. Yeah, people want to see that, but they—they can figure that out later. They're—they're they're like, what? What are you talking about? You're trading shares, like, like let, let's talk. So that—that's the one that I would have to keep and and just strip everything away. Start with that and and build it all up around that again.
1: Uh, you kind of tiptoed around at least one of these earlier in your intro, uh, but name a pivot that you think saved your career. You had a choice. There were two ways you could go about it. You decided to slice this way instead of this way. And now it's produced even more success than you could have imagined. Ooh, this is always a fun one. It was early on, honestly,
0: disgustingly early, but I think it saved the product or allowed us to, to make the product. So when you, when you create a stock market or even, back up. The real stock market works because you sell shares and someone buys those shares or vice versa. Plain and simple. You're moving around stuff. It's an exchange. When you create a two-sided marketplace or any sort of exchange, the first issue is how do you have enough of those things to match match it up? So kind of plainly, if, if you wanted to sell books, right? And you have a bunch of books, but no one wants to buy books. Or on the other side, you want to buy books, but no one's selling books. There is no product, right? Right. So for us, it was, how do we actually do that? <laughs> how do we, how do we simulate that? So what we were able to do with a uh, prediction strike is we allow the house prediction strike to kind of step in and be a middleman to those traits uh, to create that liquidity in the market. And that was something that we went back and forth with early on, super early. And we're like, eh, I, like, do we like this? You know, and we decided to run with it and it's been huge because the big thing about that is. People don't have to just wait to to let trade settle. It allows the platform to just be a lot more fun and we and we just did it kind of we Brad and I came up with the idea, and we're like all right let's let' let's go with it and since then we've talked to a bunch of people just in fintech in this marketplace space, they're like, oh, that was amazing that, that that kind of saved it because these people you know on the VC side, they see so much they see a lot of examples where people do have that chicken and egg problem of they try and build this, like, all right, I'm just going to build this marketplace for this thing. It's going to be great. Everybody's going to love it. They're like, cool. So, you know, but, but, you know, they're like, but I just need, 40,000 users, and it'll be a perfectly viable marketplace. And they're like, well, you're at zero right now. There's a lot between zero and 40,000. <laughs> and so how do you get people engaged along the
1: way to that 40,000 or something like that? So that was a huge one. And we're, we're happy about that. That's good. and glad it happened. And, and it seems like it's made all the difference. Uh, you, you touched on some of the communities you're in, like the various Slack channels and the networking that you do locally and on the internet. Uh, but which communities have been the absolute most helpful a lot i mean the larger harvard community has been
0: incredibly helpful incredibly supportive and a big part of that is just well connected of course even within that it is just people broadly my age who you know kind of college i'm 25 like that Post undergrad, you know, grad school type age, we're just like cool into sports fans. Just wanna, just wanna be helpful. It's a lot of people who are out there who want to see other people succeed and want to build, and either kind of on a community aspect from an industry point, just want to see this next wave of companies take over, and that's what they want to build. So there are, I mean, ton of people that. There's always, the, they make the joke that VCs always say, how can I be helpful? Uh, which is very true. They all say it. I don't know why you all have that one line just like ready, but uh, almost all of them mean it. They they really do. They, they, um, if you say, look, I need this. I need, do you know someone who's in this type of space or who can help with this? They're either like, yes, you know, here's this name. Or I can send an introduction, you know, or maybe I don't, but here, talk to Jane Doe down the street who does. And, and then that, of course, snowballs into whatever it snowballs into. So there is a remarkable willingness within this tech startup VC industry to to just help other people. It's great.
1: Interesting phrase, and maybe we can connect offline about that phrasing. <laughs> and, and so I know you're relatively new to diverse tech founders. I mean, we met through actually a law school friend as well. So we're still kind of getting acquainted and know each other. And this podcast is certainly helping. I guess even at this stage, how do you think Diverse Tech Founders, aka D-Tech Fund, can help prediction strike? I mean, we're a community where a lot of people know us from the app launch parties and throwing events to curate vulnerability, to allow people who are steeped in the game and new people to come together to support Founders like yourself, but how do you think diverse tech founders, AKD Tech Fund, can help prediction strike?
0: Biggest thing, I mean, look, it's a community. So, one, I need everyone to sign up, create an account, look around if it's for you. Uh, hopefully, it is. Make a deposit, start trading. That's a big one. And also, spread it to your network. I mean, it's sports is fun. It, this is something you can do with your friends and, and really just have a great time. And that is something that, that anyone can do. Uh, and it doesn't take much. It is just an app to download, just a website to go to. But also, love to connect with other people Just talk about either what you're building. I've gotten somewhere with, with the products. Hopefully, I can help you out, or maybe you can help me out. Maybe, maybe you are plugged into to the sports world, to the media world, tech, whatever, whatever it is. Just let's talk. Let's let's chop it up. I mean, there's always something to be learned from from really anyone, anyone, and everyone. Whether you can help them or they can help you there's there's something to learn from that conversation, so it's it's really always worth the time to
1: to connect with people and just and just see where it goes absolutely are connected in the sports world, and we should talk about that, but we'll connect on that again offline. Do you want to run a billion dollar company? why or why not? And this is a huge question and I've gotten a variety of answers from the guests on the show. And we've all enjoyed listening to them because they reveal a lot about people's philosophy around business around the world. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is, that's definitely the goal that, uh,
0: I think for every business, you know, every startup for one, that that's always the magic number, a billion dollar business. Like how does this become a billion dollar business? So to me, it's not even about, I mean, obviously a billion is a a very significant number just from like, look, it means something. It's like when you get to a million, like I remember when we got to a million dollars in transactions, it's just like, that just means so much. So yes, there's that, but it's also, it's like, you really, you, you did it. Like you got to like that magical promised land of like startup-ness of you built a billion dollar business like you, you you're there like that's when it's like okay we've arrived we're we're here and then it's okay how do we how do we build it to a trillion dollar business like it never stops but it is just along the way there's these little just like milestones of you can kind of just stop for a second and just smile and say oh like we did that we we got here and then you know you keep grinding so for me, I'll, I do want to run a billion-dollar business. I want this to be a billion-dollar business and, and beyond. I want this to go as far as it can go, as big as it can get. As everyone knows, sports are just this massive industry of that touches so many things in so many unexpected ways. So we'll see what we can tap into and, and just how big we can get.
1: Keep growing and keep growing fast in the right way. I think you'll have a solid team behind you. And part of you know the brand, Diverse Tech Founders, and – And what we do is sharing that information with others. And we do that uh, in a variety of ways. One of my favorite ways is the app launch parties, which were slowed down, if I'm being transparent, during the pandemic, although they're starting to pick back up again. And we have a few on the docket uh, for this year, much more intimate, unlike these huge events and parties. Sometimes I think the first one was 50, but we like that sweet spot because it's more intimate that way. Uh, If you were to attend an app launch party, uh, which question? would you ask of one of the founders? So just to set it up, uh, people come in 45 minutes or so of just mingling, networking, you know what I mean? Drinks, you know, hors d'oeuvres, so to speak, uh, and just good conversation, right? Then during the show, introduce while we're here, have you know people come and talk for very short 60 seconds. Where are we? Why is this important? Uh, an interfaith blessing of the app where we come together all geared toward that founder. And then the founder gives a speech. Then there's a Q&A session, which is, my personal favorite because that's where you really get a chance to see uh, the deeper uh, conversation. So, if you're asking a question, last question of the night, we come to you, Devin. Close this out
0: very simply. Why? Like, why? Why are you building this? I think that's always the most interesting story for people. Why? <laughs> um, you know, and, and kind of wrapped up in that is is what inspired you to build this? Why do you think you can do it? Um, why are you still doing it? Because at some point you started. And something probably told you, like, this wasn't going anywhere, let's stop, but you're, but you're still there. So is that why? Um, that's how you get the most interesting stories out of people and that you can really see what what is driving them. Because I think a lot of the questions we get as as founders are hard numbers based. And I think that a lot of that is pitching to investors who, of course, they, they do care about the vision, but of course, their, their job is to move around a lot of money. So they need to know what are these numbers and so fortunately, unfortunately, we do get a lot of just like, all right, what's your customer acquisition cost? How many users do you have that, which is cool and fun, but it, it all goes back to some broader vision the founder had. And that's way more fun to talk about.
1: Coming to the last question, I know we kind of sped right through these, but your answers were so succinct, concise, and packed with value. Uh, so here we are, question 21. Uh, What is the most valuable thing that you can do for your customers? It's what we, I mean, it's, it's the
0: product, but it's, it's building the product that that they want. So we, a lot of our customers reach out to us on Twitter, email, we have like a newsletter, they DM us stuff and they're like, Hey, like, could you do this? Or, you know, some, like, could you do that? It's like, yeah, like, yeah, let's work on it. You know, let's figure it out because simply we build a product for sports fans for guys like us guys ladies whoever it is just about i mean what if you simply had a stock market for pro sports like that is a very big what if (laughs) so what does that actually look like what does it actually feel like we know in general but that even changes every day and sometimes it's a little different for for different people and so it is about building something that's just fun that, that people just want to use and want to develop so the most valuable thing we do for our customers is just building them the product they want. Uh, It it went from Brad and I kind of building this for us to some of our friends, which is fine, whatever, uh, which is cool. But now it's like, okay, how do we build something for the world? Build something for everyone, which is not very easy. So it it takes a lot of listening to people, listening to what they say they want. And sometimes what they're saying, because it's not always quite what they want. (laughs) And by that, I mean like, so Henry Ford always says the quote, if I asked people what they wanted, uh, they would have told me a faster horse. And, you know, people know they want something to kind of they know they want the effect, they want to get somewhere faster, but but the middle part, that that's where we have to come in and figure that out. So that's 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 really what we're doing. And a lot, a lot of what happens when we redesign or introduce new features or change things up is really just like. It's what people ask for, so might as well give it to them. <laughs> like, we gain nothing from being like, from holding our breath, stomping our feet, and saying, "Nope, this is the way it is. This is the this is the this is the product. This is all you're gonna get, and it's never gonna change." Like, what what do we gain from that? We literally nothing. We we're getting no more users. We're getting no one's gonna be happier. Like, we're not happy if our users aren't happy. So we just have to build something that that
1: the people want, and that's what we do. Brilliant philosophy. Couldn't agree more customer driven, customer obsessed. So I said that was the last question. If you're listening to this right now, you want to get in touch with Devin or the Prediction Strike team, but with what you're doing, uh, where can people go? If they want to get a response. They want to interact with you. Where can they go? Where can they find? A bunch of places.
0: Um, so I'm on Twitter personally, uh, just Devin Hurt. I think it's at KingDevHurt. If you want to find me, we have a reach out, tweet me, DM me. There's the Prediction Strike Twitter at Strike. There's the Instagram at prediction Strike, Email, Devin at PredictionStrike.com. Anywhere that you kind of think to find people, you can find us there. Uh, and reach out really with anything. We get back to everyone and I get back to everyone. So anytime, you, I don't know if you have questions, try the product, have feedback, or just want to hit me up personally and chop it up about something or just, I don't know, anything.
1: Uh, reach out anytime. Appreciate you for that. And generous with your time today, we've enjoyed getting to know You and Prediction Strike and the work that you're doing. And you all have been having some pretty scary fast growth, which is exciting. And so this year I know it's going to continue to move in that positive direction. Congratulations on your recent wins. And again, thank you for your time. And with that, we will leave you to your business uh, and we will keep checking in on you to see how you're doing. And also, if you're listening to this right now, follow Devin up on his offer. Go to Prediction Strike. Give it a shot. Give it a try at least experiment with it a little bit. I don't know if you have sort of like the the trial play with it a little bit, if people like dipping their toe in. But if you like what you heard today, why not just give it a try? Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Thanks again.